Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more and visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including a visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, and he'll be our special guest today. Well, it is January the 11th, and on this day in 1964, United States Surgeon General Luther Terry announced a definitive link between smoking and cancer. He knew his report was a bombshell. He intentionally chose to release it on Saturday so as to limit the immediate effects on the stock market. The link had long been suspected. Anecdotal evidence had always been pointing to negative health effects from smoking. And by the 1930s, physicians were noticing an increase in lung cancer cases. The first medical studies that raised serious concerns were published in Great Britain in the late 40s. American cigarette companies spent much of the next decade lobbying for the government to keep smoking legal and advertising reduced levels of tar and nicotine in their products. 44% of Americans already believed smoking caused cancer by 1958, and a number of medical associations warned that tobacco use was linked with both lung and heart disease. Despite all this, nearly half of Americans smoked, and smoking was common in restaurants, bars, offices, and homes across the country. Dr. Terry commissioned the report in 1962, and two years later, he released the findings. Titled Smoking and Health, which stated a conclusive link between smoking and heart and lung cancer. In men, the report also stated the same link was likely true for women, although women smoked at lower rates and therefore not enough data was available. The news uh, was major, but hardly surprising. The New York Times reported that finding saying it could hardly have been otherwise. Still, the Surgeon General's report was a major step in health officials' crusade, crusade against smoking. Although tobacco companies spent millions and were largely successful in fending off anti-smoking laws until the 90s, studies have been shown that the re, uh, report increased the percentage of Americans who believe in the cancer link to 70% and that smoking decreased by roughly 11% in 65 and 85 between those years. California became the first state to ban smoking and enclosed public spaces in 1995. 25 more states have now passed similar laws, including 50 of the 60 largest cities in America. In 2019, the Surgeon General announced a link between serious disease and e-cigarettes, an alternative to smoking in which traditional tobacco companies have invested heavily. Of course, uh, the uh, lawsuits against the tobacco companies made billions for attorneys. Uh, it, that, that whole debacle was just unbelievable. A real uh, uh, legal farce, actually, in my opinion. But irrespective, uh, people have changed their habits, and uh, we thank the Surgeon General for uh, his contribution to our better health. Uh, it's not always happening, though. If one thing that when the government raises your taxes, suffocates your business with regulations or censors your tweets, it's far worse when the government is to blame for actually shortening your life. That's right, U.S. life expectancy dropped to 76.4 years, the lowest life expectancy in 25 years, according to federal data. Americans should be gasping. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention of the CDC repeatedly has moaned its response to health killers like fentanyl, COVID, and lung cancer. All the while, life expectancy gets shorter and shorter. In 1980, Americans had one of the best life expectancies in the world. Since then, the U.S. has lost ground. People live several years longer in France, Switzerland, and Italy, and others highly developed countries, reaching ages 83 or 84 on average. Residents of the Czech Republic, Chile, and Slovenia can expect longer lives than Americans. Even before COVID, the U.S. ranked 29th in life expectancy, according to the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. The virus uh, merely widened an already alarming gap between the U.S. and other nations. Now life expectancy in these other nations is rebounding from COVID while American lives continue to be cut short due to other causes. Start with the failure of our government to especially the CDC to tackle the leading cause of death among Americans between 18 and 49, overdosing. Two-thirds of those deaths are from fentanyl. 
Uh, nearly 107,000 Americans died of overdoses in 2021, about 50% more than just two years earlier. Where's the campaign to comp- uh, combat fentanyl deaths? Over the last half century, U.S. health agencies waged several stunningly successful media campaigns to dissuade Americans from smoking cigarettes. The CDC has done nothing like that to fight the new killer. Blame the agency's mission confusion? The uh, September 2021, as overdoses soared and COVID raged, the CDC launched a campaign for inclusive communication. The agency instructed healthcare workers to avoid stigmatizing words like illegal immigrant and substitute parent for gender-tainted terms like mother and father, as if political correctness is more important than preventing deaths. The CDC failed response to COVID further depressed American life expectancy. Agency head Rochelle Walensky said, to be frank, we have uh, are responsible for some pretty dramatic, pretty public mistakes from testing to data to communications. The U.S. has had a higher per capita death rate from COVID than any other developed countries, including the United Kingdom, France, Spain, and Canada. As COVID fades, the CDC's inaction on another front, lung cancer screening, is a limited progress on life expectancy for cancer patients, where the U.S. is otherwise a leader. Lung cancer is the number one cancer killer, taking about 130,000 lives a year. That's more than breast, prostate, and colon cancer deaths combined. Because lung cancer is rarely diagnosed before it spreads, the chances of survival are an abysmal 18%. But when lung cancer is diagnosed early with a CT chest scan, a patient has an 80% chance of living another 20 years, reported uh, Claudia Helensky, a radiology expert at the Mount Sinai Econ Icon uh, School of Medicine in New York City. Sure beats 18%, doesn't it? The scan takes 15 minutes lying flat on a table that glides in and out of a scanning machine. There's no squeezing like that of a mammogram and no yucky preparation like a colonoscopy. The technology is widely available, recommended by the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, and covered by insurance, but few doctors order it, and few patients know to ask. Blame the CDC for this knowledge gap. On December the 20th, the White House announced a pilot project to screen and treat cancer. Oh, sorry, that was not for the U.S., it's for men in Botswana. <laughs> Laughable if it weren't so tragic. Ten years ago, Americans were told the biggest health challenge was the uninsured. Congress passed Obamacare. Now only 9% of Americans are uninsured, but the whole nation faces the prospect of shorter life expectancy. How about that irony? For those who lost years, you can thank the federal health officials, especially the dysfunctional CDC. Call it the Centers for Decline and Confusion. Unbelievable, isn't it? So here we are, the healthiest nation in the world, but we're dying sooner than most nations across the globe. Lynette Diamond Hardaway from the Diamond and Silk conservative political blogging duo has died. Uh, Then, according to President Donald Trump, announced that on Monday. What a shame. (laughs) They were quite a pair. She's only 51 years of age. She became famous alongside her sister, uh, sister, Roth, Rochelle Hardaway Richardson, for her unabashed support of Trump and conservative political punditry, the two sisters made appearances at multiple Trump rallies and had a friendly rapport with the uh, former president. And uh, they are terrific. They were terrific. And uh, God rest her soul. Only 51 years of age. What if she got the jab? Just wondering. Well, Governor Ron DeSantis announced he's signing an executive order directing strategic action with a focus on accountability, sound science, progress, and collaboration to include a a proposed $3.5 billion investment over four years for Everglades restoration and protection of Florida's water resources. This investment surpasses the historic investments of the past four years and makes it the highest level of funding in Florida's history. DeSantis said this will ensure we continue our historic momentum and conserve Florida for future generations. We need to leave Florida to God better than we found it, he said. I'm also just glad that we could come back here four years to the day of our initial opening salvo when I first became governor and be able to say promises made, promises kept, said DeSantis. In addition to the Department of Environmental Protection, will coordinate with the Department of Economic Opportunity to improve local government long-term comprehensive planning to encourage successful and sustainable growth while protecting our natural resources. They will work to ensure that all wastewater facilities discharging water bodies 
with a uh, two water bodies within a base uh, basin management action plan. Area of water body not attaining water quality standards upgrade to uh, advanced water treatment by 2023 or 2033, I should say. The plan will also continue the efforts by the Blue Green Algae Task and Harmful Algae Bloom Task Forces, along with the Red Tide Emergency Grant Program and creation of a similar Blue Green Algae Grant Program to support state and local response efforts. DeSantis said he previously secured over $3.3 billion to fund Everglades restoration protection over water resources since fiscal year 2019-2020. More than 50 Everglades restoration projects have hit a major milestone in the past four years, said the governor. So again, uh, not only doing a great job in terms of uh, our health and COVID and, and personal freedom and, and uh, financial freedom here in the state of Florida, but also protecting our environment. Well, Republicans are, our House Republicans are set to vote on a bill that would abolish the Internal Revenue Service Agency, the IRS, and introduce a national consumption task, uh, tax to replace the existing national income tax scheme, which is, I think, a great idea. Uh, this idea was uh, really, really popular about 10 years ago and just kind of disappeared. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy agreed to put the Fair Tax Act on the floor as one of a number of concessions he made to the House Freedom Caucus last week. The bill was uh, introduced by Representative Buddy Carter on Wednesday, and he's also received support of Republican Representatives Scott Perry of Pennsylvania, Bob Good of Virginia, and Ralph Norman of North South Carolina. Uh, I really support the fair tax. You know, you get rid of all the income tax forms, all the reporting, and to have some sort of a consumption task, I think, makes all the sense in the world. And uh, it, it's easier, and uh, you just fill out a postcard and send it in once a year. But uh, the concern I have, of course, is that we had to pass a national uh, uh, conf- uh, constitutional amendment to pass the income tax. So usually when you get rid of one tax and replace it with another, somehow, some way, you end up with both taxes. That's my concern. So if we could assure that didn't happen, I'm all for consumption. The fair tax is a great idea. Well, this is shocking. It's a stunning departure from the network's typical liberal spin on the news, but CNN reporter Rosa Flores called out President Joe Biden for not meeting with the illegal immigrants during his first visit to the southern border. He's been in office for two years. CNN host Poppy Harlow spoke to Flores, who was reporting from El Paso, where Biden had spent three hours on Sunday in a parking lot. Harlow noted that Biden had met with Border Patrol agents and local law enforcement officials, but he did not speak with any of the immigrants. Uh, That's why the uh, president is being criticized by both sides of what he didn't see, Flores said. And they went through the whole process of cleaning up uh, the the area. Uh, It was just unbelievable. They actually sent hundreds of people back over to Mexico in order to make the optics of his visit uh, more pleasant so that uh, people could take pictures and they could see the president visited the border with nobody lying on the ground and nobody, none of the trash and all that type of thing. So they actually cleaned up the area for 24 hours before he arrived and uh, (laughs) made it look nice. Can you believe that? Anyhow, uh, the president uh, visited uh, El Paso and uh, now he's gone on to Mexico to make deals with Uh, the presidents of uh, Mexico and Canada. I'm really concerned about that, too, because quite frankly, if he should have a deal, he can make a deal with one country at a time, not a multi-country deal, because how do you get out of those things? It's quite concerning. According to the New York Post, one of the photographers witnessed city workers dismantling migrant encampments and sending hundreds of migrants across the border to Mexico ahead of Biden's visit. Shameful. The segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Come up, Andy Joppa, that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by internationalhealthplans.com. If you're planning on traveling abroad, well, most health plans don't cover international travel, and you should be covered. You want to travel with confidence with international health insurance for as little as buck twenty-five a day. You can find out more by visiting the website internationalhealthplans.com. We have with us Professor Andrew Joppa, author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Andy. And uh, usually we start our discussions with good news. Do you have any good news for us today? Well, I think in this particular case, my good news is actually the biggest story uh, in America at this point. Uh, Let me just start out with another comment, uh, which is uh, sometimes we have to watch out what we wish for. And I'll just use the example of uh, Texas Christian University, TCU, wished to get into the college championship game. And, of course, they got whomped by Georgia 65-7. to 7. So mm. sometimes you got to watch what you wish for. <laughs> um, I'm certainly optimistic, very optimistic at this point, Bob, that that is not going to be the case as it pertains to the uh, Republican House. I, as a matter of fact, I am at this point, I am sure it is not. Uh, but the good news is that, um, as you know, I'm not uh, inherently prone to optimism, uh, and I'm, I consider myself not naive. Uh, But as I look at what's going on right now, this is perhaps one of the first times uh, in several years where I really felt a significant optimism for what lies ahead. Um, It still has to be fulfilled. uh, But on the other hand, as I watch the events unfold, including the McCarthy uh, confirmation, uh, I I gained a confidence in, in this process. Uh, as the 20, as, the, as they're called, uh, challenge McCarthy, right from the very beginning, I understood the importance of that, the significance of that. And although there was a, a tremendous level of pushback from, uh, from almost everyone at that point, I still felt that that challenge by the Freedom Caucus and those that were uh, advocating for a, uh, not a return to normal uh, in the sense of what the, the House had been doing, but to, to move into a more historical model for the House as they did, uh, and to produce an America at the end of their at least two years that was better than the one they left. And I, I think at this point, I, that's what I'm saying, Bob. I agree with that, Andy, and I'm, I'm really encouraged by the fact that uh, I'm not a big uh, McCarthy supporter. I've been concerned about, uh, he's more of a like uh, 
transaction type of guy and uh, was concerned about his commitment to principle. I, of course, needed to say I agree with the Freedom Caucus more than I agree to most of the uh, other Republicans in the House. But nevertheless, I think he's off and running. He's certainly got traction. And the things they've done just in the first few days have just been fantastic. In my, I didn't even realize that uh, they, they proposed uh, the fair tax yesterday on the, on the House floor. And, yeah, uh, that the, the consumption tax, and uh, that would essentially do with the vast majority of what we now call the IRS. Yeah. Uh, so again, I'm I'm glad to see that happening. Whether it's the fair tax, the the flat tax, or anything other than the the nearly sixty yards long uh, IRS regulations, which no one surely understands, including the people at the IRS. Right. Uh, I understand that there's been times where somebody has called the ten regional offices of the IRS with a question. This was sort of a test by a reporter, uh, and got 10 entirely different answers to a tax problem. So uh, how, were, how were Americans supposed to uh, uh, be honest even, or at least uh, total line when it comes to these tax laws, when no one understands them at this point? Bob? Well, and not only that, but uh, just the whole notion of having a consumption tax. You fill out a postcard, you send it in, your taxes are paid. You pay your taxes as you're consuming, as opposed to uh, having to fill out long forms and spend hours uh, t- t- uh, filing for income tax. The federal government weighs uh, knows way too much about each of us, and uh, from my opinion, I just think, think a consumption tax, tax would be the best solution. However, usually under these circumstances, as I mentioned earlier in the show, you end up with two taxes, an income tax and a consumption tax, so we, we have to guard against that. that. That's always the concern, and certainly there has to be the elimination of the income tax if they're going in that direction, right. because in several other countries, that is exactly what has happened. So it merely uh, doubled the, the taxation uh, process rather than, uh, than making it simpler and more efficient. Uh, but again, I don't think this Congress House is going to go in that direction. It, uh, I seriously doubt the consumption tax can be, uh, can be approved, but uh, essentially, I think they have to establish their uh, their turf. They've got to uh, stake their claims. For even for example, the the repeal of the funding for the eighty seven thousand uh, IRS agents is is probably not going to have any any leverage. Although the House can exert leverage on the Senate by uh, by by challenging some of their uh, actions. Uh, so maybe maybe this can get through. Uh, one of the laments from the left is, is amazing that they they seem to be really concerned that the lost revenues that would result from not hiring these eighty seven thousand agents. I I've never seen the the left concerned with the, uh, the the deficit spending or the national debt, but but here they seem to have a deep abiding interest. But I'll tell you, Bob, there's two things we should never sacrifice freedom and liberty for. One and the most obvious that's used is security. The other is revenue. Uh, so I don't care how much revenue is lost if we don't do this. The, the, the implication of 87,000 uh, IRS field agents being turned loose on the American people is such a threat to our freedom uh, that I just can't, uh, it can't be accepted regardless of any potential revenue loss. And I don't accept the numbers on that anyway, Bob. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I just think about some of the other things have accomplished in just a short period of time. I mean, uh, they filed a couple of uh, motions to, uh, uh, to, uh, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, but uh, uh, Mayorkas is to, uh, what, what is the word I'm looking for, Andy? You. <laughs> um, to, Gosh, to, I wish I could help you out here, but yeah. Well, to <laughs> to uh, what do you do? You know, impeach. They want to oh, in, oh, impeach okay, yeah. Mayorkas, which <clears throat> I, I think is a great idea. And uh, apparently, a couple of guy, a couple of uh, House representatives want have wanted to file their own motions to impeach him. So I think that is a, a positive thing. Uh, the the whole idea that uh, uh, McCarthy is not going to appoint uh, Schiff. And others to the uh, to their committees again, uh, and uh, the, uh, the, I think is extremely positive. I think we're off and running. I think we have a. It looks like we have a good direction here with the House of Representatives. I, I, I was watching C-SPAN uh, yesterday, and I I watched the um, the legislative agenda being presented by select members of the Republican House, and I was very impressed. Uh, with their knowledge, their sincerity, their commitment, their public commitment to certain positions. And I, I think that, that goes a step beyond just hinting during the campaign. This was uh, their, their public presentation of their commitment. I think they will do whatever they can to fulfill it. Uh, I think they're also working on the introduction of term limits. Uh, now, yeah. I don't think uh, 
there's any constitutional process where term limits term limits could happen legislatively. I think it has to happen with a constitutional amendment. But nevertheless, I think by the uh, the House Republicans uh, indicating that they're willing to put themselves on the line uh, by advocating for term limits, uh, regardless how anybody feels about it, shows that this is a Congress that's committed to doing the right thing, regardless of the potential implication it has on their own personal lives. And I think that's uh, that's good news. Another thing they they did, which seems to be just uh, uh, a no-brainer, Bob, uh, they they indicated the the Born Alive Act, which apparently in 14 states it is legal to allow or kill a uh, a baby that is born alive during uh, an abortion or through spontaneous miscarriage, uh, and they're allowed to let that baby die or actually kill it. Uh, that this is on the books in 14 states wow. is is an abomination. No civilized nation would would allow that to happen. I think the uh, that was a stand up position taken by this house. Uh, also, the uh, the action they're taking in terms of looking into the weaponization of the federal government, uh, I think, is also a very very positive thing. It was uh, pleasing to see that Swalwell and Schiff uh, and and uh, uh, Omar. Uh, will not be given any, apparently be given any uh, committee assignments. Uh, they indicated Squalwell was uh, too tightly linked to uh, a, co- a communist Chinese agent and probably couldn't get a security clearance in the in the private sector, and they indicated they certainly weren't going to give him a government security clearance. In shift, they indicated his multiple and continuous lies to the American people over an extended period of time disqualifies him for actions in any of the committees that they're forming. Uh, so again, I think these are these are positive actions. It's showing an aggressiveness. Uh, as it's uh, been stated, I was just reading this this morning, this House is at war, Bob. Uh, and I think, obviously, this is a figurative war. Let me just make that clear, because in America, that's sensitive to words like that. This is a war that, that, that needs to be saved for America. And, Bob, this may be our last clear chance to do it. Right. It is these two years of the 118th Congress, this House, uh, that may be the last clear chance uh, for America to be salvaged. Uh, and as you indicated, and I'm obviously supporting, this House is off and running, and I think they're they're off to a great start, Bob. I agree. And you're going to take a little break. Can you stick around? I'll be here, Bob. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse. Changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. Also building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center downtown Naples. You can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good to be here, Bob. Thank you, Andy. Hey, I wanted to get your thoughts about uh, Biden's classified materials. (laughs) Well, it certainly is a... uh an interesting turnaround in terms of how they've been going after Trump for the, the Mar-a-Lago raid. Uh, of course, the left, and you know, they're, they're saying that this is entirely different than the, than the Mar-a-Lago situation with Trump, and it certainly is. It but, is. Uh, in fact, the vice president, as uh, Biden was at the point of uh, isolating those documents, uh, had no right and no ability to declassify. Now, it's possible that Obama will come to his defense and indicate that, that he declassified, but, you know, that, that waits to be seen. Uh, but right now, we're looking at documents that uh, uh, of, of unknown reality, uh, but there is the, the mention of, of top secret and Gosh, everything in the government is top secret, even things that are inconsequential. So it's hard to say whether top secret really matters, Bob. But these are documents that Biden was apparently surprised were uh, were found. And I think we have to look at the circumstance of how they were found. Did, did Biden's lawyers stumble across these in the, uh, in the, the Penn-Biden Center just, just sort of accidentally as they were, were looking through this, this area? Or, or was this sort of a contrived process? Process of trying to uh, beat the Republican Congress to the to the punch on this, uh, but obviously the timing and the withholding of that information as it occurred. Uh, it occurred prior to the midterms, right. but was not released till after the midterms. Uh, so that, again, was a political decision, obviously. Uh, if we go back to when those documents were, uh, were secreted, uh, it, it seems to coincide, or perhaps coincide, with Biden's last minute. In, in the last few days of his vice presidency, he makes a trip to Ukraine. Now, why in the world he did that is totally unknown. Uh, certainly, that doesn't seem to be a, a high agenda item at this at that point in time. As a matter of fact, when Biden went there at the end of his uh, vice presidential term in 2000 and uh, early 2017, I guess it was, uh, even Ukraines were surprised at him being there. So there seems to be some relationship between the uh, the Burisma uh, situation with uh, Hunter Biden, uh, Joe Biden's. Uh, uh, influence in terms of uh, Ukraine activities uh, and the documents that would have supported that seems to be, or at least suggested, that is part of the uh, of the trove of documents that, that were secreted by, uh, by Joe Biden. It puts the Democrats in a in a very difficult situation. Uh, I'd be interested to see how they handle it, of uh, finding Biden not guilty of anything uh, and yet leaving uh, Trump out there uh, hanging out to dry. Andy, isn't it kind of curious that uh, you have attorneys uh, rifling through and tidying up a, a closet at the University of Pennsylvania? <laughs> this just makes no sense to me that, that, that these attorneys found the documents. The other thing, of course, is the incestuous relationship between the U- University of Pennsylvania and the Communist Chinese Party. And uh, this link with, of course, I, I really believe that the president has compromised his authority and his power with the Communist Chinese Party by, by the financial arrangements through Hunter. So there's so much that uh, we don't know about all this, but it certainly s- smells to high heaven. Well, I, I hope we, we can find out <clears throat> the content of at least some of those documents. Of course, the, the FBI will probably redact 90% of it, which is their style. Uh, but again, this is a whole different situation than Trump. Trump was actually uh, secreting, uh, as, as best I could use the word, uh, documents that were mementos, uh, uh, hangovers from, from, his, uh, from his presidency that he wanted to sustain. Uh, he kept them in a, a secured area, Mar-a-Lago, Mar-a-Lago being uh, protected by Secret Service agents. Uh, the Penn Biden Center had none of those security protections, uh, nor was there any indication uh, of any other reason uh, for those documents to be secreted by Biden other than they were revealed 
revealing in terms of their content as they pertain to Joe Biden. I think that has to be uh, at least the, the coming in uh, thought that, that uh, I would have at least uh, about these documents, Bob. All right. So how about the dual system of justice right now? We have the president who's being investigated. Uh, is there going to be some sort of special prosecutor or investigator looking into uh, Biden's uh, situation? I don't think so. Well, I don't think so either. I heard one of the uh, Democrat uh, congressmen, I forget who it was, but uh, he was asked about Trump's situation. He said, well, it was essentially very bad because it was Trump. And what about the Biden situation? Well, Joe Biden's an honest man. We don't have to worry about that. (laughs) This absurdity that Joe Biden, first of all, is an honest man is is absurd. Secondly, that it creates a differentiation in law because one person is theoretically honest and the other not. These absurdities are, are so common in the left, but, you know, we'll see how they handle it. They're certainly not unwilling uh, to engage in the absurd, both yeah. legally and morally. And uh, I think we'll hear a lot of that as this thing, uh, as this thing unfolds. I hope this House, and I, I have to believe this House, will not let that happen. I think that there will be initiated investigations by this House, if nowhere else. I'd like to see it come from the DOJ. But if no place else than the House itself, uh, I think we're going to get some insights into this whole process. Uh, I think the amount of money that, uh, that the CCP uh, contributed to the Penn Biden Center, I think the number I last heard was $65 million. $65 million. Wow. Uh, so again, we have another instance of the Chinese influence, which has been very extensive at the University of Pennsylvania to start with. Uh, but to see that money uh, essentially uh, appropriated uh, for the Biden, uh, the, uh, the Penn Biden Center is an indication, once again, of the influence that uh, the CCP has had over Biden and perhaps the whole Biden family. Well, of course, this is going to feed into the investigations of Hunter Biden and the whole uh, Biden family uh, of corruption, quite frankly. Uh, so uh, there, this is just more fodder, more grist for the mill, quite frankly, as we go through this pro- process of uh, uh, going through the investigations. And by the way, I learned uh, from a reliable source that apparently if, uh, for example, subpoenas aren't met or requests for documents aren't met by these committees, they actually can stop funding of the agencies until they receive what they need. So. Well. That, to me, I think is extremely powerful. Can you imagine all of a sudden uh, the news that, well, that's fine if you don't send the paperwork. We're just going to defund the the CIA or the FBI or the Department of Justice. Well, look, they they have a lot of of weapons at their disposal. One of them is not necessarily legislative, but I think the investigatory... um, uh, power that they have, and I think they're going to act on, uh, is the major thing that they can probably accomplish at least in the first in the first year of their uh, of their uh, being uh, being seated. Uh, so again, I'm I'm optimistic. Uh, I think this, these people, I've seen, I saw Steve Scalise, I, I love the fact that Byron Donalds has emerged as a, uh, as a national figure. I think he handled himself with decorum. Uh, he was uh, nominated and received 17 supporting votes as speaker, which indicates the view they had of Byron Donalds. Now, of course, the, uh, Corey Bush indicated that Byron Donalds was a prop. <laughs> <laughs> as much, now, you and I have both known Byron over an extended period of time. Right. If there's one man in this world who is not a prop, it is, it is Byron Donalds. Right. If you want to see a party, and I just published a, uh, an essay on that, a party that is driven almost entirely by the existence of props, it is the, the Democrat Party. Why is Kamala Harris vice president? She is a prop as a black woman. Uh, why is uh, uh, Jean-Pierre... The the the, um, the the press secretary because she's three things she's a black woman lesbian so she's three props why is Pete Buttigieg there because he's a gay man there's no other reason yeah. for these people to be there yeah. in other words they have no incoming com- competencies that would have indicated their uh, their appropriateness for the positions they were being assigned. Uh, so they must be props. They must be there because of these uh, underlying characteristics that have nothing to do with their with their competency. I think we can see this process being replicated uh, across the broad spectrum of American institutions, uh, particularly the federal government and its bureaucracies. I think there are many people that are being put into place for not because of competency. 
It's not even the Peter Principle where they've risen to their level of incompetency. These are people who were known incompetent coming in and yet given, uh, given the right to, uh, to uh, control many sections of the American government and the economy, Bob. Absolutely. Andy, we're going to take a little break. Can you stick around? Um, I'm good here. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They know the politics, they know the policy, and they prepare your elected officials to win. You can find out more. It's a terrific organization. I proudly serve on the board. The website is thefga.org. Thefga.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, again, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to be here, Bob. Thank you, Andy. So, you know, now we find out that the, I'm not sure who's driving this, but apparently they're thinking of banning gas stoves. <laughs> <laughs> here, here we go with the uh, uh, the alphabet agencies trying to run our lives. What, what are your thoughts? Well, let me get that in a second. I think it's an important issue. Let me just return to the uh, the issue of props for a second. I wanted to. I I felt uh, uh, inappropriate to leave out Rachel Levine. Oh yeah, of uh, course. Who Admiral Rachel Levine? I might add, who was obviously there as a transgender. I mean, you know, her her background was uh, actually tawdry in terms of her uh, her health involvements. Uh, uh, but again, she was chosen for, for the obvious reason, and uh, that person is there now in a major capacity and uh, is there for no other reason other than her transgender, his or her transgender status. We can also look at uh, at Sam, what's his, Sam Brenton, Brenton, Brenton? Brenton, uh, yeah. Who was put in charge of, uh, or assisted in charge of nuclear waste disposal, <laughs> who was then subsequently arrested for uh, two uh, two separate counts of stealing luggage at airports. So w- why was Sam there? Was Sam there because of his brilliance and he was the best available person? Uh, certainly not. I mean, no case can be made that he was the best person available. Yeah. I mean, even if he's only second best, he wasn't the best. Uh, so same thing with Rachel Levine. Uh, so we're looking at these appointments, and I, I can't overemphasize the, the importance of this across the board, uh, especially when it comes to the STEM area, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, when the appointments in these areas are being made, not because of competency, 
but to satisfy some woke philosophy. I think we're looking at something that seriously degrades the quality of American institutional life uh, at all levels and in all places, Bob. So it's a serious issue. Let me tell a subset story related to this, but not exactly. Uh, I saw last night on the Golden Globe Awards a comedian, I think his name was Carmichael, and he started out by saying, you know why I'm here? I'm here for one reason, only because I'm black. Now, what is that highlight? I remember back when affirmative action first came into being, Stephen Carter, a great black author, indicated that he felt diminished by the existence of, of affirmative action because everyone thought that he was where he was only because he was black. Now, he certainly wasn't that. He was a great author and deserved the accolades he received. But he felt diminished. I think there are many African Americans who who feel the same way. Uh, We're highlighting, we can highlight some appointments that were made exclusively on that basis. But on the other hand, we can point out a Byron Donalds where his his race had absolutely nothing uh, to do with his ascendancy to a position of of power and influence. Uh, But again, this is a, a degrading concept for America in terms of its uh, efficiency. It's also degrading to the people that are affected by it, who are personally diminished with the presumption that other people may have that they don't belong there. And how about the appointment of a Supreme Court justice? Oh! <laughs> who, can't, who can't define a woman? <laughs> yeah, but the, the, the incoming words reminded me a lot of the positioning of Hillary Clinton, the smartest woman in the world. Uh, and Katanji Brown Jackson suddenly took over the title when she was nominated for the Supreme Court. Uh, her rulings, her renderings have been just embarrassing in some cases. Uh, this is a person that should not be on the Supreme Court, obviously. And by the way, they were upfront about it. Biden said he was going to nominate a, a woman of color, and there, and there she was. Uh, now, I don't even think she was the best available woman of color. I think there's, there's many fine women of color that could have served in that role, but not Katanji Brown-Jackson. So here we can look, just in our simple conversation, Bob, we can name five or six people in major positions of influence, particularly Jackson, uh, who are there for one reason, right. and that is characteristics totally unrelated to their competency, Bob. Well, and so this uh, identity politics, I'm quite frankly, I mean, when you think about this Biden administration, and we just listed all the quote-unquote props that have been put in place because it supports an ideology and, and identity politics, look, this stuff is going to destroy the nation. I mean, I don't... I can't think of one thing that this administration has done to make our lives better. And in fact, everything is an agenda that, quite frankly, is leading us down the path towards, well, woke, towards uh, uh, towards uh, Marxism. I don't know exactly what the agenda is, but it's certainly not the support of the American people. Well, if, if they just didn't help us, but not didn't hurt us, I, I could live with that. Right. But it's more than just not helping us. Their actions have actually been uh, degrading to this uh, country. Uh, in all of its areas. Uh, I would point out another uh, piece of information. Uh, In Biden's first 100 days in office, he appointed 200 members of the LGBTQT community uh, to positions in uh, in the federal bureaucracy in his administration. 200. So here Biden somehow found 200 qualified members of that community to fill positions. Now, I have no problem with that community. My brother, who I love dearly, was a member of that community. So I, it's nothing to do with the, the, the overall nature of that community. It has to do with choosing people only as political props to satisfy the pressures from, uh, from the activist portion of that community, Bob. That is so true, Andy. Andy, we're going to take one more break. Can you stick around? I'll be here. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239 239- 
325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us, choicesocial.us. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be here, Bob. Thank you, Andy. So, uh, I'm not sure which agency, maybe the EPA, is proposing that we ban gas stoves. Boy, these people really want to meddle in our lives, don't they? Well, there's no doubt that that's the, uh, the initiating process behind it. Um, uh, this was uh, an action that was uh, provoked by, I think, the position taken by the uh, Director of Health and the Secretary of Health and Human Services, I forget his name, Trumpka, I believe it's that's probably not exact, so forgive me for that. Uh, but indicating that these these foes are a serious hazard to our health, uh, particularly the health of young children, and they produce this wealth of statistics, dubious statistics, I might add, by every uh, everyone that's examined them in the medical community that matters. Uh, that young children are very prone. I think it increased the the incident of childhood asthma by twelve percent uh, in homes with 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 uh, uh, gas burning stoves, and they pump a lot of methane into the atmosphere and um, other other noxious chemicals. And so these things now have all of a sudden become a a, a noxious threat to us as a society because they contribute to go, to global warming and climate change, but also, and they always invoke children as the the major leverage in these discussions it also negatively impacts on the on the health of children now you know the question can be asked i mean certainly they're talking about um uh, stoves at the at this point but there's also a tremendous amount of uh, facility heating that takes place with with natural gas and so forth sure. so it's not just limited to uh, to stoves it is actually a much a much much larger issue right now 40 million homes in america use uh, natural gas as their their cooking and heating agent uh, so this this uh, changeover is going to be an enormous project that uh, that uh, the implications of it can't even be understood. Now, if we look at also the simultaneous push for electric vehicles and the drain that's going to put on the electric grid, one can only imagine what happens when 40 million homes uh, shift their cooking and their home heating uh, to an electrically electric. A driven process. Uh, apparently, there's no concern with the sustainability of these things as it pertains to the electric grid, uh, and certainly the uh, renewables are not going to be there to uh, to handle this. Uh, the question becomes why. I think you hit on it in your your introductory comment. Uh, it's another issue of of gaining control over the American people. Uh, I think that uh, they push as far as they can to uh, to show their uh, their potency and the impotency of the American people in pushing back. Uh, I am optimistic that this will receive a lot of pushback. I hope it does. 
uh, if people accept this, just as if somehow there's uh, a requirement, again, because children are affected, and you know how successful that leverage is, uh, then uh, we have to wait and see. But these things start out as mustard seeds, Bob, and they become huge trees, and I think this will be one of them. I think we're going to see this uh, banning of of, uh, cooking and heating as as it is uh, suppressed, and I think it's going to turn into a full national ban as time unfolds. That's so interesting. And, and help me understand, uh, Andy, how this can be, because it was only a few months ago, and I think it was in Europe, they decided that uh, actually natural gas was part of the solution as, and part of the solution for the green energy push. So all of a sudden now it's become the enemy. I just don't understand. <laughs> well, the, the left and many of the fanatics on the left or the the, uh, the, the politicians on the left, maybe they're the same thing, uh, will take any issue that involves uh, fossil fuels, and natural gas is a fossil fuel, uh, and, and move towards its suppression. Uh, so I think it may be just a part of a collective process to uh, to do that. Uh, yep. the, the implication it has for climate change is, is minimal, if at all, uh, and yet this, this is, uh, as I say, it's going to go forward. Um, the, the end result of it, you know, we've taken 10,000 years to get civilization right. And the, these, the people on the left are, in a few short years, beginning to unravel the entirety of what it took 10,000 years to produce, Bob. You know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, when Barack Obama left office and uh, President Trump came in, all of a sudden, all this stuff disappeared. We didn't, we didn't have any woke nonsense at all. It, uh, now it's back in our face, and it's just so disturbing. I just can't wait until we get back to some sanity, not only here in the House of Representatives, but also in the next uh, Senate elections, as well as the uh, presidential elections coming well, up. Well, the House is, you know, it's, they've been accused right now of... Uh, uh, authoring cuts to the defense budget, and uh, they are not doing that. This is not uh, authoring uh, 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 or authorizing cuts to the defense budget. What they're saying is there are tremendous levels of inefficiency in the uh, in the military uh, organizations, uh, particularly as they pertain to uh, CRT and, and woke and a variety of trainings and separate facilities that are created for transgenders and uh, and homosexuals. And I have no problem with the, the categories, none, zero. But again, when the government is is uh, bending over backwards to produce accommodations uh, that should not be there, the military is a an organization that produces uniformity of reality. What they've done right now is divide up the military yeah. into uh, contingents based on sexual preference. Uh, pronouns are important in the military now. People can get uh, dishonorably discharged for the consistent use of the wrong pronouns. This type of thing is what the House is going to look out. How much money is being spent on these programs in the military? That is where the cuts are, are going to come from, not from essential uh, defense spending. Yeah, you're, you're so right. And hey, how refreshing was it to see that the courts have uh, struck down the mandate to uh, for uh, members of the uh, armed services to be vaccinated? To me, it's just so refreshing to see. Justice is slow, but it, it's, it's working out. Well, I, I hope this persists. We have... You know, again, we've got a slim margin in the House, and that's it, Bob. That's where our that's where our future lies. And so, uh, I wish these uh, these men and women Godspeed. I, I I resent this this constant harangue, even coming from the from those on the right, that the the Congress is an abomination. The House is populated with with horrible people. I, this this language has to stop. There are some outstanding people in the House of Representatives. Uh, you know, being political in, in my own sense, um, the vast majority of those are are solid, rock hard conservatives. Uh, but this 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 harangue against the House has to stop. These people are are fighting the good fight for America, and they have to be given the support in all areas of American life, as far as I'm concerned. And that considers the limited portion of our media where the conservatives have a voice, Bob. You know, Andy, I just really appreciate your commentary here in the show. You know, uh, actually, uh, uh, when I meet uh, Andy, as you probably can tell, uh, uh, listeners, that uh, Andy and I are good friends. And uh, when we meet, we meet for breakfast at Lulabee's Diner. Andy, did you know that they're now serving dinner Wednesday through Saturday night? The menu is great. The food is terrific. The chef is just absolutely terrific at uh, Lulabee's Diner. So just Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. Again, 
think about Lulabee's Diner as a casual place to have a nice meal. Andy, well, Benson, thanks for inviting me as your guest, Bob. Yeah. I <laughs> Andy, I really appreciate <laughs> your commentary here on the show, and I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope to see you soon, Bob. Thank you, Andy. All right, coming up uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with Keith Law, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, Michael Cannon is from the Cato Institute and uh, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>